Good morning, adventuring geeks. Welcome back to the Think Tank. Today we are doing a very special episode um, in honor of Batman National Batman Day last week. I believe it was the 21st. However, we are not doing Batman because I want to give you guys an in-depth episode when it comes to doing a, a profile for him. So today we are going to do... My The first ever character profile or criminal profile, whichever you want to call it for this one, on Harley Quinn, who is a very big Batman character. And I was doing a bit of research last night, and there's a lot more to her that than I thought, so this is going to be really fun. And so how this is going to work is I'm going to briefly talk about her background, so what her origin is. And then we're going to get into some of the psychology behind her. And then I'm going to turn it around and wrap it into some real life cases. Since what what we would consider her to have is, is actually a very real thing. And then I will give you guys actual references to research her the stuff that affects her. And as well as some reading materials. So... Um, Enjoy, guys. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wonder the rest. After all this time, Welcome back, Adventuring Geeks, to the Think Tank, and today we are going to be diving into our first character study. So in honor of National Batman Day last week, and also with this character having a huge six months coming up, we are going to do a character study of Harley Quinn. Um, so she is going to be blowing up again pretty soon due to... Um, her popularity from Suicide Squad. I know the movie was kind of bad, but uh, of uh, of the few positives of that movie, uh, she was one. Then she just came out with a DC Black Label comic by Stepin Sajic. And yeah, Stepin, Stepin Sajic. And the Black Label is uh, a mature line for the DC DC comics, just so you guys know. And it, re- it's, it does a very good job with her origin so far. I read it last night, and I'll probably be diving back into it as we go along here. And along with that, she comes out with an animated, a mature animated cartoon on the DC Universe app in a couple weeks. Uh, they, ha- they haven't really released an exact date yet, but it'll be a mature cartoon, and Kay- Kaylee... Kuako, who plays Penny on The Big Bang Theory, will be voicing her. And then, of course, in February, Birds of Prey and the ant- fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn will be coming out. The February 7th of 2020, played by Margaret Robbie. So she'll be reprising her role from Suicide Squad. So it's it's a big six months for this character 
it's one of the reasons why now is the a good time as any to kind of dive into her character. So how this is going to work real quick is I will dive into her origin a little bit, give you guys some background info. Then we will dive into some of the psychological things that affect her and makes her character who she is. And then I'm going to bring about some real life some real life cases that are similar to what she's got. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be as as um, blown out as her character is and what she does in the comics and the cartoons. So, her, the the one of the and I didn't know this until just now. One of the more interesting things about Harley Quinn is that her first appearance was actually on the cartoon. So, her first appearance was on an episode of the Batman animated series of ep- the episode was called Joker's Favor. And then her first comic appearance was The Batman Adventures number 12 by um Paul Dini and Bruce Timm it came out in September of 1993. Batman animated series came out a little before that. But uh, so Dr. Harleen Quinzel aka Harley Quinn, she is a well she was a psychologist, a psychiatrist rather, who ended up getting a job working at Arkham to interview the inmates there, studying them. And actually in the comic, I, I'm going to use the origin from this new comic because I think it, it really dives into a lot of cool psychological things. Uh, so she, in this comic book, was doing research on what was it she was originally applying for a grant studying PTSD and uh empathy in war zone as a liability because she she goes on to explain that acknowledging the humanity of your enemy will cause you to hesitate it is a courtesy your opponent may not grant you in return and it causes you to be a little inf- ineffective when it comes to defending yourself in a hostile environment. She goes on to say that fight or flight response has long been studied and its underlying processes processes mapped. It's an instinctive reaction that overrides regular brain chemistry while dampening one's ability to process empathy. So in a war zone, the state of hyper hyper arousal saves lives because it causes you to be more alert and it's a kind of a mental immune system designed to protect us from imminent threat by managing body chemistry in a way that maximizes our chances of survival but what but if it's she basically goes on to say if it's overused then it'll it will cause you to have less empathy when you're not in the war zone anymore so she's basically giving a hypothesis that these criminals in Arkham may, depending on their their amount of time in hostile uh, zones, that maybe their empathy has been dampened because they've been in hostile territories for too long. Now I don't. I didn't find any 
any studies that kind of supported that, but I did think it was kind of interesting because it very well could it very well could have a little bit to do with it, and I would be interested to see if there actually has been studies done about empathy and the dampening of empathy when you're in in a hostile territory for very long. But it goes on the the comic goes on and she ends up caught in a fight between Joker and and Batman and really observes what is going on and the Joker lets her live when he could have just shot her and then she gets permission to do her research at Arkham by Lucius Fox who um, works for Bruce Wayne and the Bruce Wayne Foundation so they're funding her research so she goes in and is a psychiatrist at Arkham and starts out interviewing all of these these criminals like Killer Croc and Poison Ivy, the Riddler, Victor Zaz, and basically pushing off Joker for last so that she doesn't have to relive that moment again. And then she finally does, and and that's where it kind of ends. There's two more books coming out. Not for a while, but in other in other works, she basically gets lured in by Joker and manipulated and is basically psychologically held captive. Um, she is abused and mistreated and even raped in some in some comics, but because she is in a position sometimes where she can fight back and she has fought back and like kicked the shit out of the Joker and gone off on her own and stuff like that. I wouldn't say she had battered women syndrome. Um, just because there's too many accounts. If we focused on like one or two, there's definitely some storylines where she does have it. However, I found a little bit on what is known as Stockholm Syndrome, and I believe that is what she really has. So, Stockholm Syndrome, hold on, bear with me, I have it. It's a condition in which causes hostages to develop a psychological alliance with their captors during captivity. So, even though she's being held captive and sometimes abused she she somehow gets tricked into f- falling in in love with it, falling in love with him and kind of empathizing with him a little bit um now in the comic i just talked about she kind of has some issues going forward before she even meets uh joker so as far as that that comic book goes she's kind of like fed up with other people like challenging her and her work and everything she keep getting beaten down so i i think sajik is really using that to make it easier for her to be lured into the joker and helping him escape as she does in the cartoons and other comics However, I do I do think that Stockholm syndrome is a little more accurate for her and 
What's interesting about Stockholm Syndrome is though we do recognize it as being a plausible like psychological issue, it's not in the DSM-5. And the DSM-5 is a diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders. So psychiatrists and psychologists use it to diagnose their patients with whatever mental disorder that fits them. Stockholm syndrome is not one of them. It's not recognized yet. It might be in future in future uh, manuals. However, right now it's not. And part of that reason is that it's there's too many variables of how Stockholm syndrome could come come up. And one of them is the various conditions that victims go through when they're being held captive. So it uh, I, I was reading something and it has to do with some of the variables are like hostages have to perceive some kind of ha- of kindness from the captor. Otherwise they would be kind of dead. Um, hostages have to gen- genuinely believe that they are under a real threat or, of death. The hostages have to be isolated from outside influences such that their captor's perspective is the only one to which they're exposed. And then the hostage must perceive that there is no possibility of escape. So all these factors make it difficult to really make it a diagnosis. Because it's when studying the victim, it's very hard to get a real account of each of these things. Um, it's I believe it really... And this, I was researching this last night too. It's a little bit of the reason, like there, there's some real life examples of this where, and I'll, I'll get into it, but where people, like, I believe it was um, a serial killer. Who was it? I think it was Charles Manson. Yeah, Charles Manson where girls will would visit him in jail and fall in love with him because of you know he's a he's very manipulative and and charming and very good looking that the girls will declare their love for him in jail even though they haven't met so it's a little bit that's a little bit of an example of that uh there are some other examples that are full accounts but before I go into that, I um, it, it it it's kind of like to make it a little bit more simple. It dives into a little bit of why some girls fall for the bad boys a little bit. That it's kind of loosely tied with that. I don't now take that with a grain of salt because you know if you know somebody who likes the bad boys or the bad girls. Don't don't automatically say oh they have Stockholm syndrome because it's it's definitely different but it does allude a little bit to it. Now, obviously, if a girl falls for a bad boy, just because he he looks thrilling, obviously she's not being held captive. So, um, don't don't take this as a diagnosis. Um, so going into some cases of Stockholm syndrome, there was a famous one. Where is it? Famous one in 1998, it was, this is probably one of the more well-known ones. Uh, 10-year-old Natasha Kampush 
was grabbed by two men and thrown into the into a white van. Despite an exhaustive search of the area, police could no could find no trace of Natasha or her reputed kidnappers. For the next eight years, eight years, Natasha was held prisoner in a cellar beneath the garage of a man named Wolfgang Priklopil. Priklopil. Sorry if I butchered that name. Uh, the cellar was 54 square feet, windowless, soundproof, and closed in by a concrete and steel door. So basically she was kind of sensory deprived, a form of sensory deprivation along with abuse and a bunch of other things. Nish, but I digress. Initially, Natasha was not permitted to leave the room. As time has went on, she was invited to spend time in other parts of the house. She was left alone in the cellar during the day while Prickapil worked. In the following years, Natasha was given additional freedoms as part of a pact that would stay silent about her. Her, And each morning, Natasha and Prickapil had breakfast together, living in a distorted version of normalcy. Prickapil, however, Prickapil also countered his niceties by beating and raping Natasha, all the while maintaining that the doors and windows of the house were rigged with explosives. So there's uh, paranoia along with the abuse. On random occasions, Natasha tried to attract the attention of outsiders but was unsuccessful. Finally, on August 23rd of 2006, she managed to slip away. She had been vacuuming Prickopil's BMW under his supervision when the phone rang. As soon as he left, Natasha Natasha began running while he was taking the call. She took off in the streets and found a neighbor who called the police. And once Natasha had been in police protection, Priklopil realized that he would likely be convicted of kidnapping and sentenced to life in prison. To avoid this, the guy actually jumped in front of a moving train near the Wine Nord Station in Vienna. And this is where it gets kind of interesting. In in a little... Maybe, maybe it is a little understandable. But when Natasha was informed of her captor's death, she wept and even demanded to sit alone with his coffin for hours. Years after the escape, she still carries a photo of him in her wallet. So I guess, like... This is this is one of the most famous cases of Stockholm syndrome, and it kind of goes to show you that the more, even though that person was kidnapped under under her own free will, not not under her own. Excuse me, that was not under her own against her free will. There we go. It kind of goes to show the more you spend time with someone, the more likely you will have some sort of attachment to them, whether it be positive or negative. But and even then, the more you spend time with something, there's going to be a greater chance that there's going to be some sort of positive attachment to it. And and going on, though, going back to the battered women syndrome, it it has been known to be a subtype of Stockholm syndrome 
where women are beaten by their husbands or partners and may have shown misplaced decrees of affection, sometimes even choosing to stay with them when they are offered the chance of rescue. You see this in a lot of abusive relationships, obviously. But I, this is one of those cases where that might actually be um, a definite, definite diagnosis. Um, and again, I will attach all this information in the references when I go to release the episode. But it, it going back to like Harley Quinn, the difference of why she wouldn't have battered women's syndrome is because she... She also, like, beats the crap out of the Joker, too, like, in some comics. And she will go off on her own. She always kind of had had the ability to leave whenever she wanted. However, there was always... Um, there was always a sort of emotional and psychological attachment to him, no matter what she did. So, I mean, it's it's hard to diagnose, and obviously you can't diagnose Stockholm Syndrome because it's not in the DSM-5, but I think it's a real thing. I think there needs to be more studies done about it. It's just a little bit too complicated. And then I wanted to... There there was another famous case. I, I, I'd have to find it, but there was one case where there was a corrections officer who, um, I forgot it was male or female, who fell in love with one of the inmates. Falls in love with inmates. And that, that's probably, like, a more relatable case to, to Harley Quinn because she, she was a correctional psychiatrist who fell in love with one of her patients. Oh, here we go. I have a couple here, actually, so it's it's more common than you think. Uh, there was um, a Joyce Mitchell who who provided who fe- who fell in love with two different inmates. Mitchell was sweet-talked into helping the escape of convicted criminals Richard Matt and David Sweat. That's kind of a odd last name, but uh, she ended up providing the pair with hacksaw blades, chisels, a screwdriver, and other tools to help them get away. It was even suggested that Mitchell had given them cell phones, said to have been in love with both of them. Mitchell has always denied that any sexual activity took place so joyce mitchell is the 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 victim in here however with a number of former prison inmates coming forward stating that mitchell would give the two sexual favors it's difficult to believe what's what now she is serving a seven-year sentence for her part in their escape the whole ordeal is actually being turned into a tv drama that i didn't know that's interesting um, let me look up the year for this because this might be a bit dated. Twenty seventeen. So yeah, it is. It is a recent case. 
another one let's see I want to find the one with Manson, but I don't think I can find it. There is an interesting um, Netflix special. Uh, shockingly evil. Hold on. Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Came out a few months ago. Stars Zac Efron, surprisingly. And it's it's about the life of serial killers Ted Bundy. And there are examples of Stockholm Syndrome in that as well because there were a few a couple of girls that had feelings with her feelings for him and wanted to help him out and get a shorter sentence. And then it kind of shows battered women syndrome as well and psychological trauma with his actual girlfriend who slowly but surely finds out that he was a killer all along. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it is they kind of, they kind of almost make, almost frame him to be innocent up until the end. Um, so I didn't really like how glorified they tried to make him, even though he was a notorious serial killer, they didn't show it as well. And that didn't really sit well with me, but Zach Efron's performance was very well done. But going back to... Harley Quinn, um, and especially going back to that comic that I mentioned earlier, The Black Label, it does a very good job of showing like her declination into falling for him, kind of like how the Joker movie coming out in a couple weeks will show his descent into becoming insane and becoming a bad guy. So it's a little bit similar in that aspect. How she's starting to break down and then finally when somebody is trying to listen to her in, instead of her interviewing him, she'll probably end up venting to him and that's where she will be lured in and corrupted and will probably cause her to help him escape. Those are my predictions, but I will say that you guys should check this out. It's very good. You can get it at any comic book store. It's it is seven bucks, but it's seven ninety nine. But it's a thick. It's a thick comic. It's probably got fifty to seventy pages in it. It's not like one of those twenty page mini issues. And the art is gorgeous. The art and writing is done by Stepan Sajic. So I'll check it out and. My best explanation for her descent into madness is Stockholm Syndrome. Um, in some cases, you could maybe make the, make the safe bet that she does have some sort of personality disorder because of her manic episodes in the cartoon especially. However, with this origin, that doesn't seem to be the case yet. However, it might turn into that in the comic going forward because she does undergo a lot of stress and a lot of pressure a lot of people judging her she does resort to drugs and even um 
and even drugs and alcohol to try to sleep because it, it does get interesting because she ends up having these nightmares where she can't fall asleep and it's about the Joker even though she hasn't interviewed him yet. It's it's kind of all in the nights before, so she's kind of dreading it and reliving that one moment on the street with him. So that might come into play a little bit later. I'm excited. I'm excited to to read this one. This is probably one of my favorites in the last few months for sure. But that is our first in-depth character study. I hope you guys liked it. Let me know what you guys think. And I'm definitely going to be doing Batman in the future, but I'm going to do a little bit more uh, research on him first because uh, I want to get really in-depth with Batman. There's a lot to him. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You can follow me at uh, EZSpidey8. And stay tuned because we will be recording our main episode, so with me, Ian, and Ray, a little bit later today. Uh, we had... A couple delays this week that pushed it to Friday, so that's why we haven't released anything. So, stay tuned, guys. Sorry, guys. There's I always do this because there's I always listen to it and then go back and say, you know, I should probably add some things because there there's a couple of things from the comic that are like beautiful, beautifully done, and I want to include in there. So one of the cool things with this this newer comic, what they did with her, is um. They use, they show Dr. Quinzel, you know, Dr. Harleen Quinzel's ideology that she's not interviewing inmates in Arkham, she's interviewing patients, which is a very important thing to bring about because there are a lot of people, even in in you know reality where they may be convicted criminals but there could also be reasonings behind why they did some of the things they did and some of those reasons could be because of mental illness so i know when i was doing an internship with probation i was careful with using them as not so much patients but as clients rather than than um defendants or you know convicted criminals because there is a certain stigma that comes with each label and I think patience is a more and in some cases you can't do it with all because there are some who really are criminals and should be held accountable for their actions but there are some like even in in uh like the Batman world where there are some of those villains that may, well, in some cases, that may have some sort of underlying reasoning as to why they're doing it, and some of that is mental illness. A good example of this is, is um, some iterations with Poison Ivy, as well as Mr. Freeze. Um, Poison Ivy, one of them, because it seems like even in this one, she's deeply disturbed with how damaged the earth is becoming and that drives her a little crazy. I don't have a, any sort of idea of what mental illness that could be, but she's definitely disturbed and paranoid about that. So that could be a reasoning behind it. 
And then Mr. Freeze has always been interesting to me. And this is always, this is even on the Gotham TV show and some other live action Batman adaptations where he's stealing and he's breaking into, into places because he's trying to find a cure for, for his wife who's sick and dying. So it all comes down to like the whole, for the greater good aspect with him where this person or this company is selling this drug for millions and and like thousands and thousands of dollars that he can't afford but if he can't get it you're losing the life of somebody so it it all comes down to like what's more important the money or the life that at hand and then you can go into well there's some other person that needs needs the drug that that may or may not be more important or more valuable what have you but with him, it's it's always interesting that he's not through and through a villain. So he's using his grief and his hope to save his wife as the reasoning behind the crimes that he does. Now that that's not really a, a that's not in mental illness, but that's just a case of is he really a criminal? It's it's always that question because. I know, like, some people, if they're put into that situation, obviously they're going to do exactly what he's doing. And you're not going to be mentally ill for that. And it's a gray line of whether you're really a criminal or not. Because I think that a criminal, while while there is an aspect where, you know, you commit a crime, yeah, you, you're kind of a criminal. But if you're doing it for the greater good... It, that crime is kind of lessened a little bit because there's a reason behind it. It's it's kind of like, I know this is to a lesser degree, but you're speeding on the highway. Technically, you're breaking the law, but are you a criminal? I know it's a little more extreme than that when it comes to like stealing stuff or what have you. I'm just trying to look at the the ideology behind some of why some of the reasons why people do what they do, but. Um, another couple quotes that are really interesting that are like littered throughout this and this kind of goes into predicting her storyline and even with the Joker, one of them is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So take that as you will. Basically like, you know, you're, you they're kind of alluding, you know, you're going to be going down that path eventually. You might be doing good stuff now, but it's it's all going to one destination. And then there's one other. I'm going to find it because this was really well done. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm I'm delaying this a little bit, but I thought this would be kind of cool to to include. So I'm gonna find it really quick. I'm just flipping through this, and like the artwork's phenomenal. The colorization is really good. It's some of the the better art I've seen recently. I would I would think I I, I would say. And it's cool in the beginning because they do, she, it opens up with like her already being on 
on Joker's side and kind of already... And then they kind of go backwards. And it, and it shows, like, Batman as the bad guy and Batman preying on someone who's vulnerable, which the person being vulnerable is Joker. So the framework of seeing it through her eyes rather than Batman's is really interesting. Uh, I'm going to look for just a little while longer. Um... But it 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 does frame in the beginning Joker as being more of a good guy, which is odd. But it also kind of appears to him as he's already damaged. And then they go into um, his. Di- she was she's studying like her his different video, the different interview videos with him, and how each video has a different origin origin to him. And it kind of goes back to the comics, too, as, like, the history of the Joker, where there hasn't really been an origin story for the Joker because they want to keep it almost muddled in a mysterious way, and they continue this, continue with that in this, in this version. And then she's like, all right, I'm tired of your jokes. Tell me this, like, instead of telling me stories about you, tell me stories of the monsters of Gotham, and that's where it kind of ends. So I was like... Oh, it's, she's playing different cards. She's a very intelligent character. I know the cartoons and stuff don't really show her. She kind of, they kind of show her as like the manic, like sidekick to the Joker, but she really is very intelligent. Obviously she has a doctorate, so she's not stupid, but I don't think the cartoons really give her justice in that aspect. They just show her as the Joker's psychic rather than like the psychologist that she was or psychiatrist that she was before. I can't find that quote, but if if I find it, I'll post it up on the page. So thanks again, guys, for coming back. Sorry again. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. And I know what I have to do now. Gotta keep breathing. Because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the